we're going to be positive every day. You're the people being negative. You and some of the fans. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yastrzemski booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. All right, it's season five of Entitled Town. Gentlemen, it's been a minute. Scartsy is here. Uh, John is here. I want to give a shout out to Mike on Route 1. Mike on Route 1 is in the clinic getting cured off the wild turkey. So uh, thoughts and prayers and all our best wishes uh, to Mr. Mike on Route 1. Uh, as I mentioned, gentlemen, it has been a minute. A lot's happened since we've uh, last recorded. Uh, the Celtics lose what could have been a just a monumental victory. Maybe, hopefully, would have killed Pat Riley if they had actually pulled off winning Game Seven after coming back from three zero. The Bruins lose in disastrous fashion in the first round. Uh, the drafts come and gone. The Celtics trade smart. I acquire Porzingis. There's been media bloodlettings aplenty. Um, I don't even know where to start, John. What's what's been the most monumental thing that's happened for you in your eyes in the uh, in Boston sports and Boston sports media since we last potted? Oh, it's a tough question off the cuff there because as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking to myself, what's really changed? Twitter is the okay. Twitter's been rebranded, but at the same time, it's the same same sort of like agony of Patriots training camp and immediate coverage of the camp. That we always have and i just like the la plus so change right is as they say in uh you know wherever the hell in europe the the i i feel like to be a patriots fan is to relitigate 20 years of of unparalleled success uh in the most negative possible fashion and what struck me today's example was some idiot on twitter talking about how you know how what we don't talk about with bill belichick enough how he benched Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl. And I'm like, oh, dear God, is that like, seriously, is that something to actually dwell on on Twitter today? Um, so, so yes, to answer your question with some degree of specificity, Mike Giardi going to the Boston sports urinal has to be the biggest single thing that has happened in Boston media in the last, you know, four months since we last potted. Boston is, sports is, media you know, recycles more than a Seattle area coffee shop. And I'll say it's indicative of the state of sports journalism, right? That, you know, he's, he's a widget at the NFL network easily replaced and there's nowhere to land. You know, you, you really are hustling for a press pass and you're going to Greg Bedard to do it. Um, I know that, that that includes all the Splenda you can eat and, and probably occasional Frankfurters, but you look at the photos of him that have been popping up on Twitter with his today, I think it was his Blue Moon T-shirt and his uh, uh, probably Marshall's purchased Vineyard Vines kind of pastelly shorts. It is it is dark times for Boston media. We get the media we deserve. That's true. We can sum up the media like this. What have you seen at the receiver position? Stink, stank, and stunk. Like it. it Girardi's gonna have to cut back and go on the discount hair gel. Scartsy. Um, what's what was your favorite story today? Is it Albert Breer against coffee cups, or is it Nick Cattles against the full pod after his cross country move? 
I'm upset at uh, Giardi for besmirching the good name of uh, Dr. Seuss and the Grinch with that stink, stank, stunk reference with regard to a, a completely blameless bunch of uh, Patriots uh, receivers. But that's, uh, I think uh, the, the big thing is someone obviously has it out for, uh, has it out for our, our Burt Breer at uh, one of the local <laughs> uh, donkeys. Because, you know, it's like Goldfinger said, one time happenstance, two times coincidence, three times his enemy action. So clearly there's some, you know, Michigan grad working at that Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> who is giving it to uh, giving it to Buckeye Birdie and making sure that his coffee spills everywhere. It's 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 terrible. He I mean, first the uh, first the crossovers aren't open and then this. Well, the coffee slinging profession is certainly infinitely more useful than the take slinging profession. Um, so uh, I tip of the hat to our, our Dunkin' Donuts workers. Uh, Four hours a day, five days a week. That's all we ask and squat around. John, the smart Porzingis trade. Um, I love Marcus for years. I've kind of, not kind of, I have defended Marcus um, vociferously. I'm unabashed fan of his. I will, if I was in the garden, I'd stand and applaud when he came back with the Grizzlies. Um, I think it was time. The, they're going a different way with Porzingis. You know, what's going on with his, his foot, he's getting pulled from the, uh, the European tournament he's involved in. Um, your view on the Celtics jettisoning smart and adding uh, Porzingis, the big Porzingis. John you speechless. Have to repeat that, Mike. Oh, you go have ahead. To repeat that. Oh, no problem. Um, the smart Porzingis trade. Uh, where do you stand on that? I thought it was it's time for Marcus to go. Uh, love the guy, but uh, what were your thoughts on the trade? Necessary uh, to move on? Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was a kind of a big swing. You know, Porzingis, people are going to lament, you know, his injury proneness and and whatever. I guess, you know, everybody's kind of injury prone, especially big guys that move like he does. And uh, I thought it was a big swing and breaking it up a little bit. I mean, I liked that team. If they'd run it back, I've been okay with that. They're extremely good. They're a, you know, they're a finals favorite if they just ran it right back. But Porzingis is, you know, he's he's an elite player, Um Offensively, and he's a he's a pretty good defender as well, and his length kind of gives him a, a different look. Um, and you know, I mean, I I always liked Marcus, but man, I know I know he drove you crazy over the years. He drove probably all of us who watch the games crazy from time to time. And um, you know, th- this this great culture, you know, that Marcus brings, this winning culture and all that, I, I do believe in that. But man, th- there was something missing with that team, and uh, you know it probably was the right time to shake it up. Oftentimes you see teams fire coaches, you know, in moments like that, because you can't really fire the team. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they didn't go that route. They, they stuck with, you know, the coaching situation and, and kind of made a big swing on a guy like Porzingis. I'm, I'm, I'm a subscriber to it. And going back to baseball, Danny, would you say it's like the, uh, Noma trade? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good comp. You know, I've been, I've been searching for, for since the trade happened, Scarcy. To trying to put it in those terms, like what does this feel like before they this absolutely the 2004 Sox weren't going to get over the the hump with Nomar. Nomar became Mopey Nomar during uh, 2004, and noticeably was uh, sitting down in that series in Yankee Stadium when Pokey Reese made the better of the two catches from the shortstops when in the stand that weekend. But um, I think Porzingis gives them a completely different look, and the. They dealt from a position of strength. They can slide Derek White right into the smart role. And Porzingis, I mean, it's it's me. They have three really, really, really viable 
uh, options to score the ball in offense. I'm hoping that his foot just caught Hellenic flu, such as it were. That, that, and they're that. just, you know, keeping him, <laughs> keeping him, keeping him fresh and not letting him participate in any, you know, foolish, you know, international uh, Euro ball tournaments from your mouth to God's ears. John, mm-hmm. um, let's, let's get back to football. The NFL has become in my eyes, at least the NFL has become a little bit more like college football where college football season just starts. It's the first time you're seeing the team. The NFL does milk a very well, the exhibition games on television for all, all they can, but ostensibly the teams that line up on, on the first Sunday of the regular season don't resemble anything that happens outside of a few snaps in the exhibition season. Having said that, what what are your expectations for the 2020, uh, 2023 Patriots? I mean, I like, you know, I'm always an optimist on those guys. As long as they got Bill Belichick, I feel like they've got a chance to be extremely competitive. Um, you know, conti- I just, I can't get over the number of people that denigrate and besmirch Belichick as if, like, they haven't witnessed the the, the greatest run in professional sports franchise history uh in the last 20 years right so that being said always uh pollyannish footy pajama wearing uh on a bill belichick led organization and i like what they've done i think their offense will be very very good very solid i think mac is going to show a lot in year three i think their defense is obviously very very good and uh i'll be surprised if they don't make the playoffs i'd like to point out that upton bell actually tweeted today that bill belichick was a quote bad gm breaking the irony meter for all of eternity scarcity where are you at um, with the with the twenty three season, I'll tell you where I'm at a little bit. I'm I'm from Missouri. When it comes to Mac, you got to show me. Um, everything that happened last year with the offensive coordination was fine. They they should be loaded on defense. I think they have really really good depth on offense. I think it's really interesting that they went from having zero weapons on the outside at wide receiver to now they have to keep six because Douglas and Butte, you know, they can't hit, they'll, they'll lose them if they try to sneak them through the practice squad. So where are you at? I'm surprised that people aren't uh, more bullish on him. Didn't they just get the quote-unquote WR1 from the most recent Super Bowl winning team? That's true. That's true. Juju. And uh, people are going to think that we're a bunch of 50-year-olds if you're saying things like exhibition game. Remember, they're called preseason <laughs> games now. Now hike your dungarees up to your sternum and you know continue with the podcast. Okay, done. Done. John Zeke Elliott. <laughs> Zeke Elliott, uh, is this like a match game sort of thing? (laughs) Uh, Speaking of, uh, to to stay in Scarcy's lane of being 50 plus and making exhibition game references, which I will make until the end of time, hoping that that term comes back in vogue. Uh, Ezekiel, I mean, Elliott is kind of a long line of guys that Belichick has gotten kind of on the cheap. And, uh, you know, what's the risk here? You know, I mean, I'm a little concerned at Birdie's endorsement. Um, but I, but I, if, if bird, if, if his, where, where could that possibly not, be coming from? Well, well, I was going to say, if he wasn't an Ohio state grad, I'd be extremely nervous about it. Right. right? But because we know it's exclusively because he's an Ohio state grad, you can kind of take it with that, that sort of green assault. but he's, uh, you know, I, I again, this is one of those things I, I maybe simplistically sometimes put a lot of faith in what Bill Belichick has seen, the way he fits into the culture, the way he's ready to work, the way he's ready to kind of go earn a, a big contract from somebody else by doing a single year tour of duty with the Patriots. And, you know, does he make them a better team today than they were yesterday without him? Yeah. I think that's a pretty fair statement. I think that's a reasonable way to look at it. Yeah. It's, it's Antoine Smith, Corey Dillon, 
um, Lamont Jordan, you know, pickups like that. Fred Taylor, they've done it numerous times over the years. It's a good move. It's a depth move. Uh, evidently, he's good in pass protection, which is, as we know, is a is a must to play for the Patriots under Belichick. Any uh, the Patriots' best offensive player is probably Ramondre Stevenson, and having Elliott is going to make sure that uh, should assure that he doesn't wear down like he did a little bit towards the end of last yeah. season. Yeah, you can't let him wear down because he, he probably is your best player. And, you know, I think Antoine Smith, you know, going back to the Nomar as the comp on the smart trade, Antoine Smith to me is the right comp here. You know, coming out of Buffalo, I, I don't think a lot of people thought that there was maybe a lot left with him. And he ended up being the leading rusher on the Super Bowl champion. So um, Ezekiel Elliott probably not going to be the leading rusher on the 2023 Super Bowl champion Patriots, but um, <laughs> is definitely going to add. You know, definitely add to it, and and you like you said, spelling Raymondre and keeping him fresh for the playoffs very important. Scott's oh, yeah. old friend, uh, old friend Chris Price over at the Boston Globe was talking about uh, some of the uh, more notable uh, August pickups by the mm-hmm. Patriots, such guys like uh, you know Ninkovich, Ted Washington. This is uh, something that Bill Belichick does, and a lot of times it works out. So again, we're you know, footy pajama time, but. Uh, I uh, feel that uh, having him in there for, you know, for the short yardage, just, you know, the short, uh, the goal line situation uh, carries, I think it can work out. Yeah, I think this is something that we just demonstrated. Chris Price, as you mentioned, Scott, you demonstrated that this is something that Belichick has done a lot in the past. And despite having chronicled the Patriots for the better part of three decades, uh, Tom Curran, not a fan of the Patriots signing Zeke Elliott. 91%. And you know what? Signing Zeke Elliott is like seeing the AC repairman coming down your driveway in the middle of of August. I mean, you are psyched to see that guy because you're sweating bullets. But on the other hand, you could be a little bummed out that he has to be there in the first place. You want things to work, and they didn't. And that's how I feel about Zeke Elliott because the Patriots are a team that drafted two running backs last year that had a productive backup running back in Damian Harris. And yet here they are in August after the perpetually injured Ty Montgomery got injured once again. And Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong added up to people you can't yet trust. And they have to go out and get Ezekiel Elliott again. There's all. John, will you please, please help me out here? When did it become a bad thing to upgrade your team in August? When? When did it become a bad team to miss on a sixth round pick, which is what Kevin Harris is, if that's even a miss? I mean, you know, ooh, you drafted two running backs. I mean, come on. Come on, Tom. Like, what are we talking about here? Kevin Harris, a sixth-round pick? Like, you've got a chance to to upgrade, like you said, that position with a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, who's, you know, kind of a proven high-level player. He's still got some gas left in the tank, would be my assumption, especially in a backup role to Ramondre. I mean, that's ridiculous. And Ty Montgomery. I mean, how much are they into Ty Montgomery for? Like, what kind of financial hit are they taking if that dude never takes a snap? You know, kind of virtually nothing. So, at least Tom should have played the the trope of craft being cheap on this uh, and, and you know, waiting so long to sign Zeke and not giving him his bag. At least that might have been a little bit of a fresher take here. I don't I don't know. These guys just they've got an axe to grind. They're going to grind it. Any move the Patriots make, if they didn't sign Ezekiel Elliott, the the of course, Curran would be saying, what are they waiting for? Why won't they upgrade? They're Why cheap are they caller. keeping out? Right. They're cheap. Why are they being cheap here? What do, what do they really think? You know, it's Belichick, you know, relying on his draft prowess and hoping and praying Kevin Harris can, 
can run for a thousand yards and making up some ridiculous straw man to that effect. Right. So it's, you know, you, you're always damned if you do damned if you don't with these guys, uh, you know, if you subscribe to the cap is crap theory and, you know, money is boundless here, you know, you, you would expect them to go get Dalvin cook and uh, you know, Hopkins and uh, who knows, right. It's, you know, there's I'll just... take Elliot a thousand times over Hopkins for this Absolutely. team, for this particular team. I- Absolutely. I mean, I would have been, I, I kind of thought Cook was kind of an outside shot there. Um, but, you know, they decided they wanted to go with Elliott. And and that's fine. We'll see how it goes, right? Cook, Cook could be very, very effective with the Jets, and people will be bemoaning the fact that, you know, Belichick whiffed again and went with Elliott over Cook. But, of course, that forgets so many different, like, you know, various factors that go into the, the you know, the situation that a player is in and, and the like. So, you know, I, I think it's obviously a good move. And the tortured analogy of an air condition repairman. I mean, I don't even know what Curran's talking about there, but the well, you'll be happy to know that on NBC takes Boston the night before he used it. The analogy it was going out to buy shovels in the middle of a snowstorm. <laughs> yeah, you know what it's telling me is that Tom is under resourced and he's having issues with his AC. <laughs> you know, I don't think Scarzi. I don't think signing Elliot after into camp a little ways. I don't think it's dissimilar to what the Celtics happened with the Celtics last year. If you remember to the, the preseason exhibition season, sorry, I have to I have to date myself here. That's right. There was clamoring everywhere for the Celtics to sign Carmelo Anthony. Sign Carmelo Anthony. He's a proven scorer. Bring in the, you know, the guy who's almost forty off the bench who does nothing but uh, isolate and take uh, take shots. They saw what they had. Brogdon fit. Sam Hauser played a role. And this is the flip side of that they brought in. You know, maybe Strong and, and Harris aren't ready, as John mentioned. It's a sixth round draft pick. They bring in Elliott. It's they adding on to a position of strength isn't necessarily a bad thing. Stevenson is a, a top half back in this league. Elliot, Elliot with less carries. You know, I got another fifth year old reference. I'm, he's he's not Bill Walton in '86, but I hope he's Bill Walton in '86. That'd be nice. That'd be a nice. That'd be a nice comp. But no, Bill's going and picking up uh, USFL players and XFL players, and he's checking out flankers for the Montreal Alouettes. <laughs> but then he decides to go look for an actual NFL player, and everyone's like, "Oh, I don't know about that. What's the contract details? Why couldn't he have just kept Harris?" Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's just it's just whining for whining's sake. Yeah, and it's it's tedious. Tedious indeed. I I haven't done the research on this, but I'm sure there's some good examples of when Bill signed the what the the USFL guy you know, what, 24, 48 hours before signing Elliott, there were people out there, I'm sure, saying, why are you signing this scrub I've never heard of when Ezekiel Elliott's out there, right? So, right, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it's, it is just noise, and the noise is just constant, and, I mean, it, it's going to be a sad day for Patriots fans, whether they know it or not, when Bill Belichick moves on to whatever he does next, because I just can't imagine that there's going to be an upgrade uh, in that move, Right. Agreed. There's, there's actually, you know, this media horde stuff, you know, Curran's the probably the longest tenured person over at NBC's Takes Boston. Um, the That network is absolutely flailing. The content that they're spewing, featuring Bedard, bringing on Giardi. Bedard is, is a clown's clown. He is a fuckstick of the highest order. But this, they have to go way down the bench to get this take. Um, this is absolutely absurd. I can't I can't imagine this. This hasn't been a thing going back to Brady Bledsoe. They're talking about Mac Jones's and Brady Zappi's relationship being strained. They led 
the NBC uh, nightly programming with this. This is um, end of the bench is Paul Perillo on the end of the bench talking about the Jones and Zappy relationship. Now try not to laugh when you're listening uh, to this bloated tick talk of uh, Jones and uh, Zappy. The relationship between Zappy and Mac Jones, which seems to be no relationship. What do you make of it? Yeah, I don't think it is a great one. I, you know, I, I think sometimes we overrate these things and, and state them a little bit too strongly, but I have watched a little of the interaction and it doesn't seem like they're, um, you know, really overly friendly on the field, on the practice field. And I have noticed when they're asked specific questions about the relationship, but the answers for both, both sides are always in generalities about the quarterback room, about the team, about, you know, whatever, which I, I, I don't know if that's, I don't think Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo were were doing a whole lot of stuff while they were playing together. To, you know, together. I think they've since, uh, you know, become more friendly. But I don't John, is this the most useless conversation ever? I don't. I'm not sure this has as a big anything to do with anything. Then he goes on for 90 more seconds talking about this. It is inanity. Who watches this stuff? Well, I mean, you're the one finding the quote. I mean, what what do you have to it say? It pollutes to my X feed. <laughs> We're, we're, you're, what you're telling me is you got into the rental car and it was playing, right? I mean, that's basically your excuse. That's fine. I, 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 I was I listening to the Red Sox from the night before. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I mean, you're right. Who, who listens? There is actually a very sad kind of segment of the of the regional population out by where you live, Scarcy, and and kind of mm-hmm. points east. Uh, people who do watch it, apparently, I guess, and subscribe to it like they're, they're letting a guy like that influence their thinking which is kind of tragic in some respects and and i'm not quite sure what to make of that but it probably explains a lot of things kind of more broadly in society i i it's a stupid conversation it is designed for clicks and it's like times like this you have to remind yourself that they they have a script and they, they have an agenda and it's going to be negative because the negativity generates um you know feedback right if, if everything was positive um you know, and they were they weren't kind of trying to stir shit. They wouldn't get that sort of feedback that they're getting, and the feedback is how they're measured, right? Can who can go on and say the stupidest things and the most ridiculous things to get fans agitated and calling in or emailing or whatever? And but you know, the the funny thing is, you look at the you look at their feeds on on X Twitter, and they don't get a lot of feedback. There isn't a lot of you know kind of back and forth there. So. I don't. I honestly don't know the strategy with this. The the boring negativity, like you said, this is straight out of the playbook of Brady and Garoppolo. And uh, I mean, who who a who fucking cares that they're they have a, a cordial, if not buddy buddy relationship? And two, that it's like kind of trying. They're trying to segue it into like this, this is quarterback battle. And you know, poor Malik Cunningham is going to get dragged into it. You know, the they're you know, trying. My, you know, Mike and right, they're trying and they're going to be successful. That next that next exhibition game, I'm sure he's going to show out as well. Right. Playing against third stringers and tearing them up. And, you know, it's going to be on from that point. And it reminds us, like those of us who are old enough and we've got our, our old buddy, God bless him, Justin, who was a Michael Bishop backer back before being a Bishop backer was a thing. And the, the segment the, of the population, the fan population is going to get caught up in that as well. And it's going to be Malik versus Zappy will fall by the wayside. And it'll be you know, Malik versus Mac. You know, probably by week three or four. That's true. And, and with regards to how this NBC takes Boston stuff uh, comes across my content, I had no clue. Scott, see, the NBCS Boston thing, I, to 
kind of piggyback on something John said. The engagement they get is approaching the non-engagement that Jones and Migo get uh, in the WE account, account gets. Uh, why Why is this a thing? Would an eight and nine season be a good thing to have a just a total bloodletting of that useless profession? One would think, but there's still a... We had an eight and nine season. And, and there's still, you know... <laughs> They're still, you know, hanging on for dear life. I mean, granted, I would like to see Mac and Zappy pedaling around camp on a bicycle build for two. But I, <laughs> that because we all know that uh, two guys, you know, who play the same position, it's a, uh, <laughs> I don't want them to be best friends. <laughs> I want there to be a little healthy competition between the two. And, you know, if, uh, if, you know, during the regular season, if, you know, Cunningham's there and they manage to bring him in and play a little, you know, a little bit of the uh, cunning cat offense, I think that could be fun, too. We're, we're all about uh, mixing it up. Yeah, I, the Cunningham thing puts a nice wrinkle that, that, on the uh, the next couple of games. The first game was like watching paint dry. And I don't, don't want to complain about watching football after not having football for the better part of six months. But, man, that, that was that was kind of tough to watch. So the Cunningham thing. Uh, is potentially a bonus. Are either of you watching? Uh, watch the first episode of Hard Knocks. Uh, no, I'm I'm going to pass on it this year. All right, the just like I'm is... passing on Winning Time. I want this to be a Winning Time free zone. Oh God, I, I've watched the first two episodes. They're pretty bad. Pretty, it's it's a rough watch. I don't know if I honestly if I can continue it. But let me ask you this, John: if if one team is going to crater, if one team is not going to hit. The expectations of the of the uh, NFL media at large, would you say there would be the Jets or the Bills be more likely to, to crater? Man, I, I, you know, everybody's talking about the Patriots are going to be fourth in the AFC East, and I'm I would maintain they will not be fourth. So, I would maintain that they're going to be second, right? Maybe maybe tied for second. I don't know, but they'll be right in that mix of of eleven wins, and that uh. That means one of these teams that's projected to be a, a sleeper or a, a much better team above them will slip. And, you know, we know the kind of the, the cycle of the NFL, right? It's these teams that are on the ascent. They like if they don't make it, they start to erode. It's, you know, whether it's through free agency or age, you know, they keep the band together one year too long. Yeah. So do you think they're the talking sort of about I'd do you think at. they're talking about in Buffalo windows closing with the well, Allen's contract kicking in? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's this this is probably their last really great year uh, where the window is still kind of widely ajar. But I think my guess would be it's either the Jets or the uh, or the Bills. Uh, and I, I probably would have to lean on the Jets. But that's that's also because I don't have a lot of faith in Aaron Rodgers at this point. And they're the Jets. Right. So the the ability to kind of bet against the Jets. I mean, nobody ever got poor betting against the Jets. True statement. Scott, you could tell me the Jets would win seven games or the Jets would win 13 games, and I don't think I'd be surprised either way. Uh, what do you think? Who's 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 the favorite there? And uh, who has the great the greater uh, who's gonna crash out of those two, or, or if they'll crash? It's not like we haven't seen a uh, former Green Bay Packers quarterback show up into New York City and uh do okay for a while and then not do okay. <laughs> uh, Fair point. Oh, and uh, you know, thoughts and prayers for poor uh, thoughts and prayers for that because that's uh, it's gonna be gonna be interesting. That's gonna be a very uh, very interesting locker room with all those uh, disparate personalities there. And uh, 
you know, Buffalo, uh, it's, it's, uh, Buffalo being good makes things interesting. Miami being, you know, also good, but, you know, I think Miami could be the uh, team that's uh, primed for a bit of a crash. Oh, yeah, room, would, out, room out the God's ears. Go well, ahead, John. I, I would say, I would say Miami too, but I really, I mean, I, I think the Patriots will obviously be ahead of them. And, and I think the single biggest reason I'd bet on that is because you cannot possibly bet on Tua being healthy for even 14 games. I mean, the dude has already been, con- con- has been concussed multiple times. We know yeah. concussions, you know, they're, you become increasingly susceptible to them. They can't protect. And, you know, he's, he's just a small guy. It's, I, I just, and, and Mike McDaniel has seemed to have a death wish against them the way they refuse to run the ball. So I wonder if uh, Miami sports radio has a bunch of guys who have had 20 concussions calling in. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I don't see how he stays healthy and if he gets hurt, then, you know, I mean, I don't know what you really expect from them. Yeah. It's you can th- to me, you can throw a blanket Buffalo. I would say Buffalo's ahead, right? Buffalo is, is ahead of the pack. They've got some, I, don't, I wouldn't say they'd have pelts in the wall, but they've had some reps in big games. The, the Patriots team a, is younger a Lombardi than on the wall from what I saw. That's right. They do. They do have a Lombardi trophy pictured in one of the end zones of their practice facility. Did you happen to see, catch that John? Uh, who else is doing that? Oh, oh, you know, it was uh same energy. Deion Sanders with his national championship trophy picture in their team meeting rooms in Colorado. Same, same cornball energy. Yeah, I'm recycling material here, but uh, the, the, at least the picture of the Lombardi Trophy in the end zone at the Bills practice chili was not wide right of the goalposts. Um, Dan isn't here today. I, I actually, uh, Dan, you missed. Dan was going to have a great topic today. We we're going to do a, to do our own version of the Boston media version of the Immaculate Grid. Down the first column, we could have WEI, the Sports Hub, and Print Media. And then the the other three categories being suspended for making up sources, suspended <laughs> for racist comments, et cetera, et cetera. Um, any last thoughts before we head off, gentlemen? I just want to say that uh, no matter what you uh, what you heard, Media Mike on Route One is not suspended. He is actually, <laughs> I think, uh, vacationing in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, which I don't know if that's how far away that is from Route One, but he's doing fine. <laughs> he has a blanket. He hopes to see his family soon. <laughs> and there is a treatment facility there. <laughs> John, any final thoughts? Well, as somebody who has been suspended for improper vouching, <laughs> I, uh, I'm glad he wasn't suspended or has not been suspended. There are no suspensions looming for him. Uh, but it's great to be back chatting with you guys. You guys are getting getting you know conversational and doing this again with you all, uh, including those who are not with us on this particular one, but will be back with us soon. It, it's as comfortable as as a as an old racist trope that you might use if you were a Boston sports radio mediate. Exactly. Settle right into those racist tropes that you're comfortable with. So it's great to be back with you guys. It is good. Uh, it's nice to nice to have a nice you know exhibition podcast like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Scartelli is at Pat Scartell. He is the uh, the purveyor of the sports drunk drawer at the fifteen net dot com. John is at that John Irons. Uh, our email address is entitledtown at gmail.com. My name is Mike Irons. It's good to be back. I did want to mention that uh, with this being the 20th anniversary of the 2003 Patriots, in my opinion, the 2003 Patriots, from the the Malloy release to Bledsoe winning the opener in, in the 31 to nothing game, I think the de-evolution and the cratering and the dishonesty in sports media began with the 2003 Patriots 
So we're going to chronicle week by week. Uh, the plan is the chronicle week by week to recap the game that happened that week and some of the media reaction in addition to you know following the current team. And hopefully the 2023 season will mirror the 2003 season in terms of success. Uh, my name is Mike Irons. Again, thank you for listening to Entitled Town. This is a labor of love for us, a labor of loathe for many of you listening. And I implore you all to please, for the love of God, turn off your radios. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball team.